You're listening to 30 Minute Expert. I'm Katie. And I'm Zach. Every episode, I challenge Zach to become an expert on a totally random topic. And if that's not hard enough, I only have 30 minutes to do it. We want to prove that no matter who you are, or how much education you have, with a little help from the internet, anyone can become an expert on any topic in the world. This topic is cool. (laughs) Okay, what is it? What is it? Come on, tell me. Okay, so the topic today is the Salem Witch Trials. Ooh, Do you know about them? Yeah, I read The Crucible in high school. Oh, excellent. Did you actually read it? Uh, don't recall. (laughs) I remember there being a lot of topic discussion around it. Um, Hester Prim? Oh, no. That's a Scarlet Letter. letter. (laughs) All right, so Uh, you've got a lot of learning to do. Maybe reread The Crucible on the side of your 30 minutes. Not a chance. I'll just say that right now. But uh, this will be really cool to learn about because I, I remember, I think I read the book in high school. I mean, I definitely was supposed to have read it in mm. class, but I think I actually did read it. At the very least, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it's a... It's the Crucible I'm, Fiction? Yeah, I believe, yeah. It's a play by Arthur Miller. It's a fictionalized account of the time, but I it's like historical fiction. Yeah. It's very much based on the time. But uh, yeah. It's really interesting politically. P- politically, it's very interesting politically. You know that the Crucible itself was a commentary on the Red Scare. No, I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, that could be a whole nother thing. But let's focus on the Salem Witch Trials. Yeah. And the history of Massachusetts at that time. I think I also did a project about the Red Scare. Th- wow. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. All right. Cool. Salem Witch Trials. Yeah. Do it. I'm gonna do it. So, was it spooky? It was actually a lot milder than I had expected. Milder? Well, milder in a sense that it was a lot more cut and dry, black and white, than I was expecting it to be. All right. Yeah. Well, give it to us. Okay. Salem Witch Trials. If you don't know, the Salem Witch Trials were a series of accusations and subsequent hearings and prosecutions, and even in some cases, executions of citizens of Salem, Massachusetts, all surrounding the fear of witchcraft. Mm. And this was, give us a rough time period? Oh, it's a very finite time period. Really? Yeah, February 1692 to May 1693, so about 15 months. Wow. They really just Essentially like like spring to spring, more or less. They went nuts for one year. Yeah. And then they were like, that was nuts. It's really, (laughs) it's wild. So this was mostly in Salem and uh, Salem Village, confusingly enough, um, which is present-day Danvers, Massachusetts. But Mm. for the sake of this conversation, we're just going to call it Salem. There were some surrounding areas peppered in there, too, that are part of these trials but we get it yeah we're We've just calling it salem surrounding areas in our life we know how they are so between february 1692 and may 1693 over 200 people were accused and arrested of witchcraft wow and of go ahead do you have any idea approximately how many people lived in that area just because no. when you say 200 that's either a lot or a little relative to the general population 
But my guess is there weren't a ton of people living in Salem at that time. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. I'm going to look it up um, because I did not see that figure at all. And that is a that's a good point. Um, wow. Okay, so just doing a quick Google of Salem, Massachusetts population, witch trials, It uh, the first thing that pops up is about 2,000 residents. Yeah, okay. So 10% <laughs> were yeah. accused of yeah. being witches. Well, these people were going nuts, honestly. They were yeah. going nuts. So out of the... I mean, if you think 10% of people arrested and accused is crazy, 30 of those people were found guilty, and 19 of them were hanged. Ooh. And several died in prison, and uh, a guy was crushed to death by heavy stones. That's in the crucible. As a form of torture. Rough. I'll say that's torture. Yeah. Oh, that's in the book? It's a play, but Yeah, yes. sorry. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I... I did Sorry, come I across that. Snob, no, no, you're like, absolutely right. <laughs> I have that written down here. I'm going to mention that later. So, so yeah, 10% in grand scheme of, of things, the people, you know, accused ended up being killed. Yeah. So it's not a huge number of people. No, that's the other thing, too. I mean, relative to the population, like you just pointed out, right. it's pretty high. But going through the whole thing, I'm like, oh, 20 people died. I'm not that that's nothing. Right. Of course. But, you know, for us, I, I don't know. Having known nothing about it, I was expecting it to be a little, um, the numbers to be a bit higher. Mm. I don't know why, but that's no, what I, I feel thought you. I was getting into. I, I feel like I, I see where you're coming from. It has such a huge place in our consciousness that it almost seems like more people would have died. But quite frankly, killing 19 people over what I'm assuming was truly nonsense is a lot well especially in America. yeah if we're gonna use that 2000 figure as fact yeah that's one percent of the population yeah think of any city state country like anything one percent of the population being killed Executed. for the same non-reason like that's yeah. that's yeah that's nuts. horrific and wild yeah that and if, like it, you know when you think of it that way it's like yeah no duh it made an impact mm-hmm. and people still think about it and remember it of course well, I'm glad we came around on that point. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing kicked off in February 1692 when two small girls fell ill. What kind of ill? A very unique kind of ill. Thank Ooh. you for asking. So they are in constant fits. They're having convulsions and vocal outbursts and like contorting their bodies and it's weird like gruesome yeah you know you kind of there's nothing you can do for them it sounds like the exorcist yeah exactly that's what i I pictured as well imagine people getting a little on the religion train yeah and i mean imagine trying to care for a child like that as horrific as that would be you what do you do you know they're inconsolable you can't really do anything for them yeah so this is the these two girls are the daughter and the niece of the reverend in town. Ooh. Yeah. So, like you said, there's that religious thing lying mm-hmm. right there. They don't get any better over, you know, over the day or two or how, I don't know, however long you would watch someone go through this before you would call a doctor mm-hmm. because that's what they eventually did is call a doctor. Good. I'm reading Good this. And I'm like, why didn't you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As soon as they started contorting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they call the doctor in. And he um, he looks him over, and in his medical opinion, this is a classic case of bewitchment. Oh, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. Doctors so, in the 1690s. So bewitchment meaning they are 
on the receiving end of some witchcraft. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, shortly after that, other girls in the area start experiencing the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're having the same symptoms, the same... What age are these girls, approximately? These two girls were 9 and 11. Okay. Which, 9-11. Coincidence? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Maybe that's tied in. No, it's definitely a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> so, other girls in the area are having the same the same symptoms and mm-hmm. at this point that's when the hysteria starts to spread because mm-hmm. it, it's already been introduced as the idea of this is uh witchcraft yeah you know so that really freaks people out and that hysteria spreads even beyond salem like that's kind of all of massachusetts and mind you this is you know colonial massachusetts right. this isn't like a you know it's not what we think of it as today but this is a widespread hysteria at this point mm-hmm. so a hearing is held in Salem to organize the accusations and the prosecutions of these people practicing witchcraft because... So already people are pointing at others saying Oh, yeah. I mean, assume, a witch. I, yeah, I would imagine the second that that doctor hmm. said this is bewitchment, you know, the wheels start turning of like, okay, well, where's the witch? Who's the witch? Right. Because that's the other thing, too. You got to put yourself in the mind of these people who truly believe this stuff right when the doctor when the doctor says a witch is is making your daughter do this they are like okay well let's go find this witch (laughs) that's such a bummer it's so true kill her and then my daughter will be better yeah like they believe that the same way we believe our modern medicine right Mm -hmm. so a hearing is held in salem they organize and they are trying to figure out what to do how to prosecute these people and the first three people that were publicly accused of witchcraft mm-hmm. are two women named Sarah. I call them the Sarahs. <laughs> nice. One is a widow and one is a beggar. And the third is a uh, slave, the reverend's slave, mind you. Ugh. The same reverend whose daughter and niece were the sick yeah. girls. Uh, a slave named Tituba. She's in the crucible. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Tituba. I remember her. So from what I read, she is um, her her origin is kind of unknown. Her uh, origin, where what country she's from, is unknown, mm-hmm. but it's South America ish. South America. Yeah. Cool. Um, now, just to point out, mm-hmm. widow, beggar, slave. We're really going for the outcast. I mean, there's really no masking our intentions here. Sorry, people of Salem, but I see what you're up to. No, you're absolutely right. In fact, there's a man named. This is a wild name too. Cotton Mather. He's in the crucible too. Wow, you should be Arthur telling this Arthur Miller story. really. Um, he didn't. Why would you make up names? I guess when yeah. Cotton Mather's running. I'll around. just put that out there because we've said it five times already. The Crucible, like you just said, is a play by Arthur Miller from 1953. That, like you said in the intro, is kind of a. Um, it's definitely the story telling... of the of the Salem witch trials. Yes, it is a it's a dramatization of a real life event of the Salem witch trials. So there's you know the real timelines and obviously these characters that we've mentioned um, are in there, but then there are some fictional elements too. Yeah. Um, but like you said in the beginning, there's ties to he wrote it in response to the whole McCarthyism. Yeah, we can and, we can maybe touch on that at the end even. Right. But anyway, that thing... it. Great. Uh, Sorry, I'll stop bringing it up. No, no, no. It's all good. So this guy, Cotton Mather, he mm-hmm. really stirred everyone up. We're going back now to you pointing out that it's a widow and a beggar and a slave. Mm-hmm. He published a book prior to this, I believe, Warning of the Evils of Witchcraft. That's not the oh. title. That's the description. Um, 
a book that oh. was warning people of the evils of witchcraft, and he was of the opinion that witches were among the poor lower class. Oh, I wonder where he got that idea. So <laughs> I don't know, fun. but you nailed it because that's exactly right. We have the first three women on trial are a widow, a beggar, and unfortunately a slave. So the two Sarahs, they maintain their innocence. Mm. And, you know, as they should, as innocent people, they're like, no, like, what are you talking, this is insane, what are you talking about? No. Mm -hmm. But after days of intense, I guess what you would call interrogation and scrutiny, uh, Tituba, is that how you said it? Uh, Tituba, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's right, but I, I, as I remember it being said in the play, that's how they said it, but I don't know for sure. Okay, well, poor Tituba admits to being a witch. And even says that there are more witches like her in town. Well, you know, she's just trying to protect herself. Right. I mean, that's what you have to think in a scenario yeah. like that. She's also, just doing that. Also, as we know nowadays, um, false confessions are a huge problem and are easily obtained. Absolutely. So, yeah, she's yeah. just telling them what they want to hear mm-hmm. in hopes that they'll leave her alone. I mean, like you just said, this happens all the time today where the interrogators will even make promises they'll even you know give promises of immunity if you just say x y and z so you say x y and z and then they throw the book at you by themselves for eight eight straight hours and it's not surprising that they say some things that maybe aren't true i mean who knows what happens in our brains at that point so also the sarah's i'm assuming being white ladies probably held a even though they were a beggar and a and a widow still were in a better spot in society than poor Titba. so probably so yeah i mean i think they would probably all be in the same economic class and then the fact that she wasn't but she's a slave white, oh, oh yes yeah you know it's like yeah she's definitely the one yeah. who's gonna bear the brunt of that yeah so more and more people are accused and arrested and they form a court called the Court of Oyer and Terminer, which is Latin. Uh, oh. It means to hear and determine. All right. So they form this court to do just that, hear mm-hmm. and determine. In these trials they're holding... Did they not have another court? Why did they need to form one for this? Honestly, like, I think it just goes back to it being the whole pre-revolution America. There's hmm. not a strong government system here there's not yeah there's not a court system really set up Mm -hmm. so these trials that they're holding are mostly character examinations Mm -hmm. because there's no evidence these are all just blank accusations like being thrown around with no regard to any like real evidence Mm -hmm. so they're looking at everything from you know someone's day-to-day behavior their religious background and they're mm-hmm. standing with the church to literally the state of their clothing like her clothes are torn that must mean she's working with the devil like right great that type mm-hmm. of stuff so Real solid based in fact kind of thing yep can't poke holes in that at mm-hmm. all so they are going through the process of trying to determine whether these people are in fact witches mm-hmm. so they devise a few different tests to uh to see just that one of them is called the touch test pretty simple when one of these sick people is in one of their fits where their body's just going nuts mm-hmm. they take one of the accused people there 
to lay hands on this person, and if the person's convulsions stop when touched by the witch, then they would assume that that person, in fact, was the one causing them in the first place, and therefore they would be found guilty. This logic, I don't know how you got to that. I mean, this could really go either way. If the fits got worse, you could be like, clearly she's causing them because she's touching her now, so they got worse. Or if they went away, you could... I mean, you really can just read into this whatever you'd like. It's... Yeah, there's, like you said, there's no real logic behind any of this. Another one, and this is crazy, um, was called Witch Cakes. And this was made using rye flour. Rye was their main, main grain in Salem. Main grain. So using rye flour and the urine of accused witches. Oh, no. Mixed together and baked into a cake. And then they would take these witch cakes and feed them to dogs and if the dog portrayed symptoms similar to the victims well then that's a witch of course did these people have access to clean water or (laughs) were they just drunk because that is insane who came up with that who came up with that who signed off on it what is happening at all that is ridiculous it's so stupid wow it's so stupid it's like yeah how is that even a thought out way of determining like that seems like the first thing that is the some that a stupid person would think of and then everyone just goes with it i think that was really early that was like march 1692 so this wasn't honestly yes yeah as bad as it is but to give him some credit like i don't think that was a standard of these court proceedings for the entirety of the trials like let's grab this (laughs) this is is so dumb and smells terrible yeah i'm done volunteering my kitchen yeah on collecting the urine like come on wow so all these women are getting and it is mostly women all these women are getting um mostly women huh what a surprise well, y'all be tripping. So mostly women, including a woman named Martha Corey. And everyone in town knew Martha Corey as a really nice lady. She was never in any trouble. She was always at church. So when she's pointed to and she's forced to stand trial, she points out the craziness of this whole thing. She's like, this Martha. is nuts. I'm not a witch. Everyone here knows I'm not a witch. These women probably aren't witches either. What are we doing here? This is crazy. Good, Martha. Use your privilege. Right. Except for all of the people who were trying to prosecute her are like, okay, she's anti-trials. That must mean she's pro-witch. <laughs> so <laughs> pro-witch. after Martha Corey is accused, nobody is safe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's fair game at that point. This is, you know, not to put on too high of a pedestal, but this is like, a saintly woman she's Mm -hmm. she lives in the church not literally but she's at church all the time and now they're throwing stones at her like that's crazy right so eventually the courts really locked in on another shocker woman Mm -hmm. named bridget bishop and she was the first to be convicted and executed and she was hanged on june 10th 1692 wow five more were executed July 19th, 1692, five more on August 19th, and finally eight more on September 22nd. Wow. Hearing it like that, it does sound, I mean, obviously it's horrific. It it was horrific before, but hearing you just spell it out like that, it really does feel like, what are you doing? Like this is out of control and an abomination, which it was, which it is. So... More were convicted, but, I mean, even more than those that we just listed who got killed on these days. 
even more than 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 those people were convicted but for varying reasons the death sentences were never carried out on those individuals Hmm. so the final eight are killed on september 22nd by this time the panic is slowing down Mm -hmm. accusations and trials are becoming more and more spaced out and through the early parts of 1693 multiple trials are held and each time the defendants are found not guilty and these are trials not of just one individual but you know there might be seven people standing trial at the Mm -hmm. same time Mm -hmm. not guilty not guilty not guilty yeah really (laughs) except for one instance where a woman was found guilty but then she was subsequently pardoned so this is Hmm. through the first few months of 1693 several trials not one guilty person this is america's most notorious case of mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. Until mm-hmm. coronavirus, of course. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. But uh, mass hysteria is essentially an invisible virus. It's when mm. a sickness is going around that has no viral origin. Like, there's mm-hmm. really nothing to it. Yeah. That's why I'm joking about coronavirus, because obviously that is a real-life virus, but there was... N- I'm not going to say there was nothing to worry about, but in hindsight, Mm -hmm. there was nothing happening here, but this panic of, that is just Mm fear-based, spread throughout the community and ruined people's lives, and 19 people, it took their lives from them. Yeah, so the way it's portrayed in the Crucible, (laughs) which is apparently where I get all my info from, (laughs) on the Salem Witch Trials, it really seemed like, like you said, maybe one or two young girls actually got sick some kind of maybe sickness was really happening to them and the way the way it seems in the play is that the other girls perhaps are jealous of the attention the girls are getting or it just becomes like a fad almost if you can think of it that way like the way that trends take on and so they just kind of start they just start replicating the same symptoms and so then they get the attention too. That is a that is a theory that is out there that it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And it like you said, they may be jealous of the attention or it may be that they are it may be that they are not competing for the attention of these sick girls, but they like what it's doing to the community, that it's agitating mm-hmm. everything and it's you know, you live it in this them this purpose. existence that is just so empty in a way Mm -hmm. and i know that's coming from our perspective of living now looking back on them in the 17th century but it's like they live in these small towns where they are just have nothing really going on so this agitation is yeah it's intriguing and Mm -hmm. it's yeah it makes you feel important so that is a theory perhaps it could be one of those things where it's almost like mind over matter too where if you think that there is this affliction going on all of a sudden you start to question oh do i have it too yeah and and just the fact that you're thinking about it can make it kind of manifest in your body so maybe it wasn't 100 percent consciously malicious um but but it seems like there's definitely at least a mix of that going yeah i think that's have you ever heard of that case i don't remember where it was but where all of those people were dancing in the streets yes I know what you're talking about. It was, if you're for the people listening, it, it, there was. I don't remember what country it was or even what year it was, but there's this recorded event of people in this town dancing in the streets, and they were all outside dancing, 
and nobody knew why. Like the people dancing didn't know why, but they were all out there dancing and it has been looked at and kind of cited in the same sense of what Katie's talking about where they're not even consciously doing it and it's not that they are doing it because others are, it's it's this weird phenomenon where one person starts doing it and another starts doing it and then people almost can't help themselves and then before you know it, everybody's out there dancing and no one knows why and and it's not that they can't control their own bodies but they they just get sucked into this thing yeah i don't know i'm doing a really poor job of explaining it. you should google it and and you just google kind of we should look that up people dancing in the streets like uncontrollably and you'll you know it'll come up but it's a really weird thing and yeah so this could be an example of that i mean it's i think we all know the experience too if you hung out with your friend and then you go home and your friend calls you and says hey i'm i'm sick i just got sick you all of a sudden can start feeling oh Oh, i have a sore throat oh am i feel like i have a fever and like you don't you're fine i'm sure i'm not the only one who felt that the first week of this whole coronavirus thing you know where it's like whoa what is this headache this right is this the headache i always feel or you know but it's being able to draw the line of like is this really happening and then the flip side which is like i'm gonna go absolutely wild and accuse a bunch of people of being witches like let's not get to that point well how could all of this happen there's there are a few factors that that kind of build into this so there's already a general fear of the occult in this community Mm. and in this community i mean in this time period in this region there had been plenty of widespread witch hunts all over europe between the 16th and 17th century. Mm. So this isn't the first of its kind. I wonder, like, what put that into people's minds? I get maybe the church had a thing or something. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Probably. I mean, I I would imagine that's where it starts. So they have that going for them, this general fear of the occult. Mm -hmm. There was also a recent smallpox smallpox outbreak in this region that claimed a lot of lives, Mm. had everybody on edge, Mm. families were broken apart, so factor that in just distress general distress yeah general distress from the smallpox outbreak then you have the distress from the constant threat of being attacked by native americans oh really yeah that was going on they were living with that daily i don't know how often they were attacking but it was a very real possibility that at any moment they're gonna ride through and you know slaughter you yeah well i mean it's their land so sure and then add on that this is all like we said pre-revolutionary america there's no real government system there's no judicial order so no cell phones no cell phones (laughs) no instagram no facebook no so all of these things combined i read online i saw it described as a powder keg which Mm. is a ticking time bomb something is gonna set these people off yeah they're too on edge so these things combined with people not thinking rationally is i mean it's going to lead to disaster wow. one way or another yeah so the most interesting theory today in my opinion the most interesting theory of what was happening there mm-hmm. comes from a woman a doctor named linda caparale linda cap dr linda caparale and she blames something called ergot ergot Yes, E-R-G-O-T. That's like you egot it and then you got another award that started with an R. Exactly, like Mm -hmm. a regional Uh, 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 sales award. Yeah, Yeah. regional sales award. So 
ergot contains the same primary ingredient of LSD, which Ooh. is obviously a hallucinogenic drug. And ergot is a fungus that in that region existed on rye, <gasps> their main grain. And it wasn't known to be poisonous. Thought Farmers thought that it was nothing to worry about, mm-hmm. but it in fact is poisonous. And do you know what it causes? What? Convulsions, hallucinations, Dang. intense muscle contractions, exactly what those two sick girls were experiencing. So when you said these people are tripping, you meant it literally. They were tripping. Wow. So this stuff is not new, ergot. I mean, obviously we're talking about the 1600s, but not new in a sense that it caused a German plague in 857 AD called St. Anthony's Fire. And according to records, people there were suffering from these same symptoms, the convulsions, the muscle contractions, Uh hallucinations. So how did that ergot just pop up all of a sudden? Well, the year prior, Mm -hmm. remember, the the trials were from early 1692 to early-ish 1693. And then they fizzled out. They were over it pretty quick. So according to records, 1691 was a very, very wet growing season. And a wet growing season results in a big increase in this fungus growth on the rye. Ew. So these people are eating this or they're storing it, whatever. I mean, it could be just yeah. a tiny little, you know, a tiny little bit that was stored and then eventually these girls ate it or maybe a lot of people ate it yeah. at the same time, whatever. So that's 1691. You get all this wet fungus growing on your rye. Then 1692 comes around. That's the summer that these trials are taking place. Mm -hmm. And again, according to records, that year was a drought year. Not a lot of rain. Very arid, very little crop from that year. Mm -hmm. So the ergot didn't survive through that year. Thus, no more bewitched citizens come late 1692 slash early 1693. I mean, that may or may not be true, but that's the theory. (laughs) Of this, you know, credible doctor. Yeah. And I think that is fascinating. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Also helps explain the whole pea cake fed to the dog situation. That those people could have some of that ergot in their blood. Yeah, they were just like, I don't even know what I'm doing right now. <laughs> give me your pee. Exactly. Wow. That's really fascinating. I, I, know. I think there's a lot of that kind of stuff back in history before we had really good methods of purifying food and water i remember reading or hearing once that um you know like the enlightenment period that it just came at a time where people had access to clean water oh right so they could drink water as opposed to drinking beer all the time like that's all they could drink because it was the only thing that was safe so the enlightenment came just because people stopped being drunk all the time they were just sober for once they were just sober and they were like i have all these ideas i can think so clearly (laughs) and we're like wow they were so smart no they were just sober for the first time yeah they just weren't hammered yeah for the first time in their lives wow but but truly i bet things like that have impacted history more than we could ever know. And, yeah, and I'm, exactly. I'm sure like you said, more than we could ever right know, now. I'm sure. Maybe yeah. people will look back on this time and be like, Americans were so hopped up on sugar, it was in all of their food that they were crazy and they did all these crazy things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's about it. The last thing I was going to mention, which we already covered, was The Crucible, the play. Mm-hmm. Um, 1953, it won the Tony Award for Best New Play, and it is considered one of the finest American plays ever written. It is so good. I mean, I'm a huge Arthur Miller fan. Arthur Miller fan, but um, I would also highly recommend the film version. 
with Winona Ryder. Mm. It's we watched so that in high good. school. It's real. It's really, really good. Oh, we should check it out. Well, I'm sure you can find that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> wherever you want. Yeah, and like we kind of touched on earlier, when Arthur Miller wrote it, it was to parallel the Salem witch trials with the what mm. we keep referring to as the Red Scare, which was during the 50s. Um, the same kind of like pointing fingers at other people, but it was for being communists, not right. witches. And uh, and he saw it as having similar effects, similar detrimental effects to society. Um, and sure. that was his really cool, awesome, talented way of pointing that out. That's really cool. So, yeah, definitely read The Crucible to play. See if you can watch it online in some form. Or definitely watch that Winona Ryder film because it's so good. Yeah. Great. That's all I have. That was awesome. Yeah, I, love I, th- that. I thought this was really interesting. Yeah, way more a, so than I expected. It's a very, it's a fascinating story. Obviously, it's horrific and really, really sad. But it's such an interesting glimpse into the human psyche. You mm-hmm. know, like wow, this is what we're capable of. Yeah, yeah, really, really. It's cool. good to know. Thanks for suggesting it. Oh well, you're welcome. That <laughs> was really fun. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at 30 Minute Expert Podcast, where you can see cool photos of all the things we talked about today. And send us suggestions for future episodes. Also, if you're a real-life expert on one of the topics we covered, write to us and let us know what we missed. You can email us at 30MinuteExpertPodcast, that's 30MinuteExpertPodcast at gmail.com. If it's something especially interesting, maybe we'll read it on the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe. And if you're really enjoying it, write a review. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye.